The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to the Cinematography Podcast presented by Hot Rod Cameras, a program about the art, craft and philosophy of the moving image and the people who make it happen. Coming to you from the world headquarters of Hot Rod Cameras in Hollywood, California, are your hosts, Ben Rock and Ilya Friedman. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ilya. How's it going? Hey, it's going. It's uh, nearly our 100th episode, or I think this might be our 100th. Ep- it is our 100th episode. This is our 100th episode. Well, it cannot be more appropriate because uh, our show is interviewing a really good friend of ours. It is. And uh, it's kind of wonderful that we were able to make the planets align, someone who we've only talked about having on forever. And uh, sometime we'll have to have him come back and talk about like more of his work type stuff, because uh, he has a really very uh, dramatic and dynamic story that he shares with us all about uh, fleeing China. Yes. So uh, and that person, by the way, is Brendan Davis, the producer, Brendan Davis. And uh, I have known Brendan since 1995 i believe when i was a special effects makeup artist and he was a boom operator and we were working on movies in the southeast for a gentleman i have spoken about on this podcast several times david Pryor. we were both working on david Pryor movies and uh we we met each other and became fast friends way back in uh you know the clinton administration Uh, well i did the interview with brendan and so uh i actually do a lot of just shutting up in this and you see you don't really get to hear my backstory but i'm pretty sure that i met brendan through you I think uh, he used to come to, to your parties. Yeah, we used to have uh, a long time ago when the TV show... I remember 20- what parties were like. Yeah, what, uh, yeah, remember when people could be in rooms together? That was crazy. Uh, no, so uh, we were big fans. You and I were both big fans of the TV show 24, right when we met. it had, That show had recently uh, premiered. And uh, back then, uh, DVRs did exist, but they weren't uh, everywhere. They and were I new. certainly didn't have one. And so yeah, we, would have, we would have parties. And everybody would come over to our house on Tuesday nights. I remember it was Tuesday nights. And uh, we'd, we'd have uh, food and drinks and stuff, and we'd all watch 24 like it was a sporting event if sporting events were entertaining. I'm sorry, I hate sports. <laughs> oh, come on. D- don't, don't mock the sports ball. I'm, I'm happy for people who like sports. I, I'm just not one of them. Anyway, um, uh, right. and so, and so yeah. Brendan, Brendan would come over, and Brendan had recently moved out to L.A. and I think was even still working in the sound department but was transitioning at that time to being a producer, and now he's a full-time producer, and uh, is uh, based uh, often based in China, although he's out here right now. And uh, I'm sure you get into it, into it in the interview. He actually had oh, me on, we do. on his we podcast do. when he and he described. Uh, uh, oh, and, and and he talks about it about having me on. Wow, this on is, his podcast. This is <laughs> yeah, like the snake it's eating its tail. Oh well, I don't want to <laughs> bore everybody with that. So Ilya, uh, I had an idea for our, our George Floyd close focus segment that I wanted to pitch you here. You ready? Oh, yeah. Uh, pitch you, away. You ready? Because I yeah. wanted to move away from us every week talking about the coronavirus, but I also feel like uh, it's kind of informing everything that's going on. So uh, I have been noticing a trend that I'm sure everyone else literally watching any television is noticing, which is which, which is that shows that are made on a daily or you know weekly basis are now often being shot at the talent's house by the talent on uh you know an, an iPhone or a computer or maybe they got a fancier camera in there and, and uh, Clorox wiped the whole thing down. But in a lot of cases, I don't think they did. And as we're recording this literally yesterday, Saturday Night Live, including host raps by Tom Hanks, was 100% self-taped by the talent on the show. 
Hmm. All right. Well, I, I've seen some of this. I think many of our listeners have. It's uh, being pulled off to various degrees of uh, success. Um, but yeah, I don't think this is going to change uh, well, for a while. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I wonder if it's going to change some giant parts of the workflow because I've been saying for since 2005. 2005 was the first time I uh, I, I did a project. It was a, a series of action shorts for uh, an uh, ad campaign for Audi when the A3 originally was released. And I directed a bunch of these, uh, these action shorts uh, that were created by an ad agency based in New York. And, uh, and when we were trying to make their extraordinarily low budget work, one of the things that, uh, my producer, Matt Compton said to me was, well, can't you just edit these? And I'd never edited anything professionally, certainly none of my own stuff. And I said to the client, like, well, if somebody wants to sit in a bay with me and give me notes, they're like, ah, we're not going to be anywhere near you. We're going to be in New York city. We're not going to come back to LA just to sit in here. And I was like, okay, so if I can just send you files, cool. And ever since then, the project actually like that, that workflow worked and it was a really smooth process. And, uh, ever since then, uh, I haven't personally been afraid of, of doing editing remotely. I don't, I don't actually love having clients coming and sitting in my, uh, in my home office with me, although they sometimes do. Um, but I've known that, uh, editing at, at whatever the broadcast standard was, is completely doable on home gear without a question. And so much of the process can be handled that way. Now, uh, it's only a recent thing that uh, HD and or 4K cameras are just sitting around uh, everyday people's houses. But like when you're watching that Saturday Night Live, a lot of people are using the like a webcam, not unlike the one that you and I are both on right now, to, uh, to, to record a network comedy show. And just think, those Audi commercials, that was only 15 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, so yes, the, the camera technology has gotten uh, a heck of a lot better. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that it, it matches the stuff that people are using uh, in the studio, in the field, although it could, they could bring that into their homes and they could learn how to use it. Some of our clients are doing this right now. Uh, a couple of uh, uh, late night shows uh, are, are clients of Hot Rod and I know that they are now moving into this and we've been supplying quite a bit of like uh, Zoom equipment, not just Zoom, the, um, the, the, video conferencing software that we're using at the second, but also Zoom, the microphone and audio interface. and that which, sort of we're, thing. which we're both using to record this on. It's super confusing that Zoom is the uh, audio recording device that we have been using for years since the beginning of the podcast. And now Zoom is an audio and video recording online service, and they are not the same company. And, and forgive the nerdiness, but Zoom, the audio company, makes a little 4K camera which I understand that you can actually connect to your computer. So this is super nerdy here, but you can actually use the Zoom with the Zoom to create double Zoom like we are. So with in other words, so, you could use the Zoom yeah. camera as your web camera on the Zoom online service. Yes. You, you could just be zooming it out the Wazoom. That's awful. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Somebody terrible. needs to so. change their name. That's very deeply confusing. So uh, I think it's a good place to leave it then. Uh, you know, I really think this is an important interview with Brendan, and I really hope that all our listeners really will um, oh, give this one a real solid listen because I think that uh, Brendan Davis has a lot of really solid uh, tips and points and perspective uh, being on the ground in China, being on the ground in Los Angeles, and really seeing how the coronavirus is being handled in different parts of the world. By the way, I also can't recommend highly enough. Uh, Brendan has a podcast he's been doing from China called Big Fish in the Middle Kingdom that is sort of his adventures and interviews with various people uh, regarding uh, producing content based out of China. So uh, I'm sure he talks about that in the interview, which I haven't heard yet. So I apologize. He, he does. And, and we'll also put links in, in the show notes. For All everyone. right. 
Well, here is Brendan Davis. The Cinematography Podcast Interview. Uh, Brendan Davis, thank you so much for being on the Cinematography Podcast. Ilya Friedman, uh, thank you for having a non-cinematographer on the Cinematography uh, Podcast. It's my pleasure. Brendan, you are a producer. I mean, I know you, you're, you're a multi-hyphenate, you can do all kinds of things, but a uh, producer, I think, is how you, <laughs> how you pay the bills quite often. Uh, uh, I, I'm really happy to have you on the show. I've known you for a very, very long time. And uh, yeah, we have. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's 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 been a bit. So uh, and you also are one of the uh, I'm going to say producers I know who are is living somewhat of a, a charmed life. You've produced in the U.S. and in other places all over the world and have done been involved in all kinds of uh, international uh, multinational uh, movie deals. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, about who Brendan Davis is. Okay. Well, I am primarily a producer, as you said. I am originally from the Southeast U.S. I moved to L.A. 2002. I started on the crew side and the technical side. I was a production mixer or a boom operator in the sound department. I also was a picture editor, and I bounced between features, TV, commercials, and I did also I, – I had a job for about four years where I was an in-house producer and editor for – a company doing lots of local and regional TV and, and industrial videos, things like that. Thousands of hours of those videos that I've done. But I moved to L.A. to reframe everything into the creative career because I went to film school, writer, director, producer in sort of that order and moved to L.A. 2002, you know, to get to get that career going and make the transition, which really kicked into gear after a few years. But I've had a lifelong interest, among other cultures, in Asia, and specifically that that became specific to China. About the last 10 years, I've been a quote-unquote China Hollywood guy. It, it's not all I've done, but it's been a focus, and I've produced Chinese TV shows in the U.S. I've helped make some deals. I've been a bridge builder for a lot of cross-border business. And I've done things in China that like you have no idea about. I wrote and directed a documentary for for the for, for the CCP, for the Communist Party, which I'm not a member of. Uh, you know, I'm a Democrat, so let's not get this twisted. I'm a moderate Democrat, <laughs> but uh, they wanted a Western director. And through my friend's production company, I was hired. But it was the CCP and CCTV, which is the state media. So, yeah, so I've written or directed documentaries for China. I've done all kinds of things. I've packaged quite a few deals. I've put together some co-pros. And, uh, yeah, but over the last few years, my focus has shifted a lot. And I still love China. My girlfriend's there. Got a lot of friends. That's my home. My home and my office are in Beijing. I'm in L.A. right this second uh, at the base of Runyon Canyon as we chat. But um, my current project is a big film that's set in the world of Paris fashion, and all of my development is offshore China someplace. So, yeah, that's a sort of a short version, and there's a lot of details we can get into. No, I know, Brendan, you've had, you've, uh, on, the, on the producing side, uh, I mean, I don't know too many people who've gotten to do a wider variety, a more diverse slate of projects than, than you have. You've uh, been mm -hmm. around for a, a long time doing this. Now, uh, I got a, back in January, I got a, uh, 
a phone call or a text message from you uh, while Sundance was going on saying, hey, uh, I'm on like the last flight or second to last flight out of Beijing yeah. now. I'm flying, yeah. to, I'm flying to Northern yeah. California. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, hey, uh, what's going on? So, FYI. So, yeah. FYI, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this little pandemic yeah. thing going on, which at that point, no one mm-hmm. knew it was a pandemic. It was the uh, the Wuhan disease or it was, you know, mm-hmm. they, they didn't even have an mm-hmm. official name for it then. So, uh, sure. uh, you know, so so here here you are, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're working in Beijing and what's the sort of scene what's the uh what's the climate like when does it start deteriorating when do you start uh feeling nervous about your about your surroundings there sure well i'll i'll tell you this and and you've known me a long time but you the listener probably don't i'm sort of famous for my long-winded stories and my tangent so let me lead with the lead and then everything i say will have a will have a framing device so yeah, the short version, the TLDR version of my story you just asked about is uh, basically seven and a half weeks ago, I evacuated China. I got out uh, January 26th is, is I was on a flight and um, I had been watching things. So the context is, so Chinese New Year holiday, it's about a two week span And some people are able to take off like they use up vacation time beforehand and they extend that holiday. But but biggest migration in human history every year, like about a billion and a half people, because half of China or Chinese people around the world travel home or they travel to to visit other relatives. And then, of course, they have to go back. So huge migration for the Lunar New Year. And also called the Spring Festival, also called Chinese New Year. It's all the same thing. And which I know you know, just in case that's helpful for someone else who doesn't, who's confused by all these names, it's understandable. So um, I don't live with my girlfriend, but she's also in Beijing and like another kind of far, like if I lived in, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the map is reversed, but imagine that I lived at LAX and she lived at Glendale. It's kind of that only flip it around. So um, I, I know relationships that couldn't uh, survive that in LA. Exactly. So, she, so uh, she went home about a week early to her parents' house for Chinese New Year. So I hadn't seen her, you know, a solid week before the holiday. And then there's the first week of the holiday and the reports are just starting to really leak out that this thing is, is probably spreading a bit out of Hubei province and out of the city of Wuhan. And I have a few friends with relatives there who are in the medical profession and who were dealing with this on the front lines. So I was I was really hearing some things beyond what was in the press. And anyway, so short version of a really long story is my business partner started messaging me my my larry my writer director on this feature film that we're putting together that you know i was already planning to come back in three or four weeks because we've been working to close finance and then we go to paris to prep because it's set in paris so he starts messaging me saying uh and he's following what every day he messages every day about things he's back in palo alto and he's got a dad who on the board of Stanford Medical School and a sister who's a virologist who used to work at the CDC and a lot of people and their friends, a lot of their friends and family are doctors and medical people. So he's giving me all the updated links to the the JAMA publications, the, the American Medical Associations thing. And he basically says, dude, I think you should get out. 
And what it was, was one of the airlines announced they were going to be cutting back on their flights. And it wasn't one of the ones that I fly and I forget which one it was, but nonetheless, it was a early warning. And so I started looking, so I get in this, this group chat on WeChat, which is like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all rolled into one in China. And I'm in a group, 500 Americans in Beijing, specifically American, American expats in Beijing. And a few of them are SARS veterans and, and, and longer. Some of them have been there a lot longer than that. I started to see other things that day. I saw that there was a restriction on like provincial highways closing to buses and large vans. I'm like, hmm. I saw and certain subway lines close anyway because the holiday, the Chinese New Year, very little, very limited ridership, stores are closed. But I was seeing announcements of more closures, like closing most of the system, essentially leaving like an east-west and a north-south that would end up getting you to the airport. Cutting to the chase, from making the decision, uh, I was out of there. From the moment I left my apartment, I was masked. I was wearing winter gloves. I didn't have any surgical gloves, and it was freezing. It was dead of winter at the time, so... in. What was um, what was the news there like about this coronavirus? I mean, th- there was concern. There was, you know, they were telling people to wear you know, wear protective uh, clothing uh, or, yeah. or masks. But I mean, uh, w- it certainly wasn't the lockdown. You know, no no travel sort of. This was ahead of all that. Yeah, this was ahead of all that. No, I I got out. Uh, you know, again to Larry's credit, he was saying I think you should get out early. You should go ahead and move. Let's not wait for this. Find another way to get the ticket. Um, and my concern, as I sort of said this a little earlier in a different way, I wasn't concerned about getting sick so much because I have a home office. Don't see that many people physically week to week anyway. A lot of Skype or Zoom, you know, a lot of calls, things like that, but not that many in-person things. Cook at home all the time. So I was more concerned about getting stuck because I'd spent a year and a half to that point. Now it's, you know, add, add a couple of months, but a year and a half, basically full time producing this movie, like the development, getting it funded. We had funding. Those people had issues and, and couldn't deliver, had to replace them and the guy that replaced them. Uh, it's a card of a complicated, bigger deal. And so they're taking forever. Meanwhile, we've, we've got a plan B for them that we're most of the way there. It's very close. Not, not, not to jinx. So I, but so I was waiting, you know, I was waiting until the movie's going to buy my ticket. Right. I mean, this was in, this is, this is a line I'm in in the budget is travel producer to LA. Spoke, spoken like a true producer. Well, yeah. 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 It's right there. It's in the budget. You know, you're about to, you're going to leave China shortly in a, in a matter of weeks. I flew out on United and five days later they stopped all flights. And min, many flights stopped that day. So I'm at the airport and, you know, the, the universal language, when you look up at the, uh, the departures, Right. Uh, the universal language of uh oh is you see a bunch of red. <laughs> so a bunch of, you know, you don't have to speak Chinese to know, oh, that's canceled. That's canceled. That's canceled. You know, so uh, so it was a bit of a mess. But I masked up, gloved up uh, from the moment I left my apartment and then got into the uh, Aditi, which is the equivalent of Uber or Lyft to the airport got in other than pulling my mask down to, you know, for them to check my face, like for like security checks and stuff. 
Um, I was masked the whole time. And I had three masks. I wore three different masks from leaving to the flight because, you know, masks aren't meant to last forever for the most part. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't eat a bite of food. I got my own bottle of water once I had cleared security and all that jazz like you do anywhere. I bought a bottle of water and I wiped it down. I at the time I had a bunch of wipes and stuff. And I quite literally my my for 13 hours on the flight, it was, you know, exhale unscrew my bottle of water, sneak it under my mask, have a sip, pull the mask back down, close the bottle, swallow water, then breathe again. And so I did that for 13 hours and doesn't make me a hero, but I'm just saying that's, that's an example of the kind of adaptation you have to make to be safe. And I had wiped the bottle down with sterile wipes, you know, uh, was constantly vigilant about that stuff. And I didn't take off, I mean, other than to change the mask real fast, I didn't take off mask until I had cleared everything at SFO, gotten out, wiped the handles of my bags down again after getting my checked bag from, you know, from, from baggage claim, wiped everything down thoroughly and got outside. And then when I got in Larry's car and put my stuff up and sterilized my hands again, I finally took off that mask and and I put it in the trash bag. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, you know, I, I, I deal with a, a number of, uh, a number of companies that are based in China at Aperture, one of yeah. our, our, com- our sure. show sponsors based in China. And mm. I've been getting some, uh, emails from people who are mm-hmm. back in bet who were, who disappeared for a couple of months. You know, they were basically shut down yeah. and now, now they're back and they're saying, yeah. Hey, we're following yeah. the news. We're seeing what's happening in the U S let me send mm. you like a official document that we were given on the best ways to make sure that you don't get yourself infected. And it includes, mm. it includes mm. some stuff that I don't hear anyone here talking about at all. And tell me if okay. like, I, I, I don't know, I'm sure you, you've been in touch with people. Hit me. Yeah. Yeah. I may learn something or I may, I may be able to give you an attaboy or I may learn something. Yeah. Okay. So, Hey, uh, you go outside, you have to do something when you come back in, take off all of your clothes that you were wearing outside and put them inside yep. of like a, a protective safe space and immediately mm-hmm. take a shower. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what you do. And it's not at all what people here do, but yes, that's what you do. Then they also mm-hmm. said like, you know, uh, take your shoes and remove your shoes and place them on top of a towel that you've soaked in bleach. Hmm. I'm not doing that, but that's a hell of an idea. That's a little obnoxious. I, I kick them off, uh, inside the door to my room uh, yeah, I have them in one place and I'm wearing, I'm sitting here wearing socks and house slippers. I just, I just got new house slippers ordered from Amazon because I'm subletting. I'm not at home anyway. Yes. So take off shoes. You spend any time, anyone who spent any time in an Asian country usually comes to the no shoes and the house thing on their own. Cause you start to realize it's like, yeah, that is pretty nasty. Maybe you got kids or cats or dogs close to the ground and you're thinking, God, what are they getting in their face <laughs> that I have tracked in from, you know, from Hollywood Boulevard or wherever. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one though. Shoes on a bleachy towel. Yeah. Put your shoes on top of that towel, store it by the door. Don't know anybody who does that, but shoes by the door is common. Sure. Okay. And then, um, there was another one that said, if you have a large gap in your door, take more towels, soak them in bleach and mm. then stuff them under the door. So that to prevent airflow, mm, th- this soaking in bleach thing, I can't co-sign because bleach fumes are, are toxic. 
so you shouldn't be breathing bleach fumes. Uh, rolled up towel under the door, not a bad idea. Uh, soaked in bleach, I can't can't co-sign that. I don't know. Right. Well, th- th- this, this, this is, this was the recommendation on, on the document and it went on for about 20 or 30 other items on there too. But, yeah. uh, basically it was like mask, not optional mask was mandatory, sure. man- mandatory sure. for, sure. for everything. So, and, yeah. and then, uh, yeah. it was like, uh, gloves handling anything uh-huh. out in uh-huh. public. Uh, you know, if you're not wearing gloves must immediately wash hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, packages, yep. any delivery mail that comes to you must get wiped down. Wipe them down. Wipe them down, buddy. Yeah, quite a bit of a uh, quite a bit of uh, like I would say different information that's that uh, was coming from China, mm-hmm. trying to protect people versus sort of like the social distancing that we get. And yeah, you know, uh, you'll you'll be yeah. fine. Don't wash your clothes. Don't take a shower. Type of thing. Like, well, but but it sounds like that. Is, yeah, that was just like you know, par for the course. Like you went out, you interacted, you did anything, you take off all your clothes, take a shower when you get back. Well, I got out before it was come to that, and so it, it, they stopped letting deliveries come to your door. They they started having them stop at the outside gate of. Most apartment developments have like an outside security gate to get in anyway, which is where they do temperature checks and such, too, for people coming and going and check your it's a long story. But basically, you have an electronic app and you get registered and checked and you either have a red, yellow or green uh, document on your in your WeChat account, which is, you know, the, the social media standard. And that is essentially your virus passport. It shows you've been tested. It shows your status. And it's constantly updated. So whenever you travel, they scan that QR code as they take your new temp, and then it gets uploaded to that record. So that's like a QR code-based record of your virus ins and outs and contacts. So they're tracking the hell out of it, which we are not doing at all. We don't have the capacity. We're the, the, the horse is out of the barn on that one. It's not even a possibility. Like, and for everybody, all, all my friends I've talked to, deliveries come to the outside gate. Then a staffer would go get it, like a management in the in the or a staff person in the complex would go get it and set it outside your door uh, when you're quarantined at home. And then they stopped doing that because of manpower. And so you could go to the gate to get your package. But when you came back, if you're in quarantine, you couldn't. The staff had to bring it to you. But once the quarantine was lifted, they still advised you stay home. They still advised you practice these precautions. They still do as of right the second that we're recording. And so, yeah, get the thing. Get back to the uh, get back home. Uh, kick off your shoes. Leave those in the hall. And like a lot of a lot of Chinese people have like a hall rack, a, a shoe rack that's outside the door. Not everybody. Some people have it inside, but, but, but yeah, so shoes outside the door, step in and like your sock feet, set the thing down, shut the door, everything you were wearing. And most people have developed like, here's my, they're kind of like low key, uh, hazmat suit, you know, like a raincoat and, uh, a hair, like a, a, the hair, uh, the plastic hairnet thing that they give you. And that, that, you know, I don't know, you know, who uses these, but that came in very handy and like gloves and stuff, take all that stuff, put it in a bag with a bunch of, you know, cleaners in it. Let that sit Yeah, after you've wiped down your package and everything. And then, yeah, then all your clothes off, go in a bag, then go take a shower. And every time, every time. So every time there's a package, it's about a, for her, it was about a 45 minute process. So 
five minutes to go get it and five minutes to come back and then about 35, 40 minutes to do the whole sterilization routine. And, you know, doing that two or three times a day. So that's pretty exhaust. It's you're tired just listening to it, aren't you? Yeah, I know. No, I mean, it's like there's nobody. And when I, I, I mean, I'm I'm talking to people every day, mostly over the phone and such. But I don't know anyone who's di- doing those type of like Chinese level precautions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no one is. N- no, at no, least no, no one, no one in Los Angeles that I'm I'm interacting. With. <laughs> no one you're talking to for your podcast or your life. But um, but yeah, I've I've been I self quarantined. I got back and I self I had two days in Palo Alto and then I flew again, mask, love the whole, whole nine. And the looks I got in the domestic flight. Oh, I'm sure. In the mask. There were a handful of Chinese people who looked at me and kind of gave me like the thumbs up or a nod. Um, but then like all the other, all the other white people were looking at me like, like, like they were terrified. Like I had to have a, a you know, but yeah, I flew to my mom's and I spent two and a half weeks in sort of self-quarantine there. And, you know, I'm all good, fortunately, knock on wood. I've been back, you know, I've been in California about a month and change since since that. All right. So you're in California now. You're seeing, yeah. um, you're, I mean, you're you're not too far away from me right now. Uh, I know right. that there's less people out in public right now, but do you feel like there is that that overall the population here is taking it as seriously as it was being taken in China or not even close <laughs> yet. <laughs> I hate to laugh because there's a lot of tragedy here um, waiting to unspool. No, the response, I mean, some people are. Again, there, there are people who are, deserve the attaboy or the girl and are doing great. But today, I mean, I am right at the base of Runyon Canyon. I'm subletting my, I've got an actor friend who's out of the country anyway and then now he's kind of stuck and i'm it works out i need to place a few months before this and so we'll see but the point is i'm right at the base of runyon canyon i've been amazed at all these just blithe fools just living their best life just gathering in big groups and sweaty scooching past each other rubbing shoulders in and out of that little gate to get in and out of runyon today they finally closed it and I'm sorry for people that miss it. I'm sorry. Oh, I got to walk my dog. Okay. Well, you're going to have to walk the dog someplace else though, you know? Um, but, uh, but people are not taking it. People are not taking it seriously at all. And I, I was doing, uh, uh, I was interview on, a, I was a guest on someone's show earlier today and, and he's in New York city and, you know, he's got 30,000 cases surround. He's in Manhattan. He's got all these cases surrounding him. And, And he said, why do you think it is, you know, that L.A. is so, he used another word, but I'm going to say like lackadaisical. And I said, dude, it is beautiful outside. Like when I recorded this, you know, we were talking earlier and the sun was shining. It looks spectacular. You couldn't have asked for a more gorgeous backdrop. And so it just doesn't seem real to people, you know? It doesn't seem real to people. And what I've been saying, I'm, I'm sort of overusing my own quote but what i've been trying to tell people is look like obviously i'm not an expert i'm not in the medical profession i'm just a you know humble uh film guy and uh but the reality is that i've seen this movie already it it has a few alternate endings we're not sure which one we're going to get but uh president president dunning kruger 
has pretty much guaranteed that we're going to get one of the worst case scenario endings. And, uh, yeah, it's a little horrifying. So, I mean, there's no possibility of having China's ending or South Korea's because, you know, we're, we're past containment. We're past that. So, um, all we're going to be able to do is try to slow the spread, treat the sick, keep other people healthy, stay the hell at home. That's all we, that's actually all we can do. And I've said many times, just talking to people in general about this, who've asked my opinion as, as, as me having my weird, unique situation and perspective, you know, about what I thought, similar to sort of what you're asking, like, what, you know, what do you think about how the U.S. is going to deal? I said, unfortunately, I believe that my beloved country people are neither logistically or psychologically equipped to deal with this the way with which it must be dealt. And everything I have seen has has underlined that a hundred times. So, yeah, um, I'm afraid that it's going to get all it's going to get the kind of worse that people I mean, there's there's a bit of denial. Uh, It doesn't seem real to people who aren't personally affected yet, but there's going to be a type of collective shock that settles in. They were dealing with it in China. They they were. People, people are, you know, it's more, it's a collective culture, right? That's one of the, if you know almost nothing, you know that it's a collective culture. And so people are used to sacrificing personal interests for the sake of the greater good. That's, that's, that's a thing. That's a theme of, of the folks and the country. And so there was still some resistance to, you know, being quarantined or self-quarantining there too. But they mostly, they basically did it. And they basically have squoze it almost out of existence. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in Hubei province is still being dealt with. But it's getting back to normal. Like you said, your your clients or vendors or whatever are telling you basically, hey, we're kind of getting getting back to normal here. So, And and only like three or four weeks ago, it was more like the, oh my God, we're all going to die. Yeah. It was like it, it, yeah. it did it has changed pretty precipitously yeah. i'd say it has it has and and unfortunately that's not the again i there are people far better qualified to listen to than me on this topic but if you listen to any of those people from dr fauci on down what you hear is you know if people try to paint the the, the biggest issue without being overly political about it but the biggest issue that anyone should have with our president right now, even if you are a huge lover and you cannot wait to vote, if you're waking up early to go vote for him, you need to objectively understand how badly he has uh, screwed the pooch is the technical term here. Um, the delays in, just it's there's a litany and everybody there's so many articles you don't need me to go through it but the point is that's not some i'm not some partisan hack talking about this i'm pretty moderate i typically would vote democrat or independence leaning in that way um but if you give me a really smart rational not putting kids in cages republican i'd look at them as well you know my comments are not like some party hack guy i I'm an American who's lived in China for four years full time and part time three years before that. And I've got friends. I'm fortunate. We all have 
eclectic friend circles these days, whether it's all virtual or people you actually work with in the real world or somewhere in between. I've got tons of people. I mean, my 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 personal and professional life looks like a Benetton ad from the 80s. You know, we got we got one from every every color in the rainbow, basically, in my in my cohort. So that's my perspective, you know. And, you know, that's the norm, I would say. I think that's the norm for a lot of people these days. It's not, uh, you know, it's not monochromatic. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't think it makes me unique. I'm just trying to because I know that there might be somebody who heard what I just said and already writing the angry tweet in response, you know, so just trying to give my just trying to give just trying to give my 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 woke bona fides, you know, (laughs) if if there is such a thing. Uh, Well, um, well, okay. so so you you paint uh, a fairly bleak prognosis that's not based on um not based on being some sort of scientific or technical expert but based on being uh an observer and a human being and a person who's been in uh in two different uh desperate places uh across yeah. on other sides of the globe who are both dealing with the yeah. same issue right now and one of them mm-hmm. uh despite a late start was all over it and did everything they could to, to try and stop it and another yeah. which is still trying to say that like in two weeks we're all we're going to be back to normal Oh my God. So, yeah, it just, there, there's really, I mean, partisan political conversations right now in the States seem super trite and beneath a, you know, it's that to some degree that can wait, but I mean, I, to the degree that, that we need to shine a spotlight on the, the damaging effects of the disinformation and misinformation coming out of Trump's White House, it's, it's seriously important, guys. You, you got to listen to the experts here. You know, I'm not one, but I know enough. I know enough to say and listen to the people who know what the hell they're talking about because, I, I mean, here's, here's irony. Here's irony for you. So, I, again, I got out just ahead of it getting bad. I did the self-quarantine, all this stuff. I was worried about my girlfriend constantly. She was trying to keep a game face and super, super cautious. Like the world can learn from her cleansing routine, you know, to be, to be cautious. But so I spent the first month and a half really concerned about her and try not to let be, let it be obvious. And I've got, one wealthy friend of a friend and then a woman who runs a charity, both in California between them, they want to buy as many masks as possible here and send back to China. So we're calling between two, three of us, we're calling every medical supply company in California. I was at my mom's in Alabama. And then I was also calling Georgia. And I, I mean, I had like 60 something people on this list. I called, Got through most places. Some places had to leave a message, never got a call back. But uh, asking to buy masks, this was, you know, a month and a half ago. And at every place, the most we could put together in any one place was like a thousand. They were just sold out. And at every single place, I heard a version of this. Oh, you know what? That's You're like the hundredth person to call us about this. And I'm talking, dude, I'm, I'm talking like February the 3rd or something, okay? So I'm hearing from all these medical supply places, yeah, we've had about a, at least 100 calls about this. And it's it's either just other kinds of Americans or Chinese or Asian Americans or Chinese here, but people are trying to do this. 
the the wealthy guy, he wanted to buy a million masks and donate them. The charity woman, I I knew they were going to be able to do up to a hundred thousand, depending on the price. Uh, anyway, cut to the chase. Another friend found a supplier in another country, made the thing happen. And that friend was able to send about a million and a half masks with about half of them going to Hubei province where Wuhan is. And then the other half to different hotspots like hospitals and medical care and a few friends around the country in China. Um, yesterday, uh, I took a break from not being able to buy toilet paper in Los Angeles to, uh, which I, I've got some, I'm just using that as a point of reference. Um, I, I got an alert from DHL, the shipping company, letting me know that, oh, the, the package my girlfriend sent me from Beijing is on the way and it's letting me know the delivery date. Uh, yeah. So here's irony. My girlfriend in China, who I'd been so worried about a month and a half as I fled China for the safety of the U.S., so I didn't get locked down in China. Um, she's worried about me. She is sending me masks and gloves, which are now in ample supply. They've got, they got plenty. Uh, they got plenty. She's sending me N95s, KN95s, uh, I think it's K, KF94, which is a different thing. Uh, boxes, box of gloves, three sets of goggles, and then a couple of like the Tyvek, you know, hazmat suit things. So yeah, I got, I got a package coming to me from China here in LA where she's terrified about my healthcare options. And, uh, frankly, I am too, <laughs> because I don't have insurance in the U S I, I live in China. You know, I don't have, I'm, I'm not, I don't have, and I mean, I, I, I reside in China. I don't have, I'm not in the U S system. So I'm pretty motivated to stay healthy. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty motivated to like say as healthy as I can. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, if you could get back to China right now, would you? Well, just to say that, no, I wouldn't go back because I've still got stuff to do here, but also Currently, if I were to go back, it's a mandatory 14-day quarantine in a government-approved facility. Now, for people who can pay for it, and pretty much all foreigners, it is some kind of a hotel, and there's a little bit of a price range. But you have to pay for this. They're not providing it. You have to pay for it. So it's mandatory 14-day quarantine, and then there's still an issue with your neighborhood committee, which is an organization within every apartment like complex there's the staff and the management and then there's what they call a neighborhood committee and it's china so i'll let you guess what the focus of the neighborhood committee is but it's up to them to decide if they'll let you back in anyway so uh four days ago in china you pay your rent in in seasons so like spring summer winter fall you pay three months at a time and it really takes some getting used to because Americans aren't used to paying. You're not used to paying three mortgage payments up front, right? Or or three rent payments at a time. So that's how they do it. And so I just paid three months rent. My my rent was due the fifteenth uh, or sixteenth. So I just paid three months of rent for an apartment that there's there's no way I'll see it for four or five months. I'll I'll get back in time to move out, and that's probably all I'll be able to do. Wow. So. 
All right. Let me, let me rephrase that question. That was, that was a good, that was a good solid, uh, answer, answer that you gave there. Very, very thoughtful, but let me, let me rephrase. If you could wave a magic wand and you could be back in China right now, not, not have to worry about quarantine, not have to worry about the travel. If you, if you could just, if you could be either here or there, where would you feel safer? Would you feel safer in in California or safer in China? 100%. Yeah. No question. No question. You know, if, if I was, if I was, you know, back there, I mean, I've got, I've got like a hospital grade ear purifier in my apartment. Uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I've got, I've, I've got a nice place. It's properly equipped. And your question is about the safety and health. And that's what I'm saying is that in terms of a place to be, it's already like, if I have the windows closed and have all my stuff going, it's already kind of like a hospital operating room almost in terms of the air quality inside my place. But in terms of getting what I need, if you need to order bulk groceries and they've developed sterile procedures on the delivery now, um, you know, they have somebody in a hazmat suit and gloves and all the stuff who does the packing into one bag, basically. And then that gets wrapped in another bag that the delivery guy or gal takes. And that way, when you get home, they show up, they, they unlock the outer bag and you pull your sterile bag out of it. So the whole routine I told you that Susie's been doing, in theory, you don't have to do that. I think she's going to do it until there's a vaccine. But but yeah, I would feel it's amazing in, in terms of if I'm healthy. Now, I just told you I'm not covered here. So if I were to get sick, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to be at the mercy of whatever's available system-wise, which is not going to be a good picture. Um, but I don't want to be... Because I don't speak well enough. I mean, I speak enough to chit chat and talk to a driver, you know, order food and make small talk. But is that's my Chinese. I don't have, let me discuss my possible life and death issues in detail. I, I don't have that kind of Chinese. So, I mean, I'm probably better off here in terms of if anything did happen to me. But in terms of not getting anything in the first place, I'd be better off there. Does that answer your question? Yeah, you you answered it. Uh, that is, um, I think the only word is bleak. That's that bleak. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's the other thing. You know, I was on my little bit of a of a of a politically related issue, not necessarily even a political thing, but talking about that. I sad to say, but the reality is that the people who are currently still in denial about the severity of this and what we have to do. Um, I mean, some people are in shock. Some people are stupid. Some people are just in denial and some people are taking it very, very seriously. And some people are preparing how they should. Some people are panicking and some people are, are terrified and, 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 you know, in a bad place. And so hopefully those people get some support that they need emotionally to, to face this stuff that, What'll happen at some point, I mean, there is there is some evidence, although it's sort of anecdotal as I understand it with my Google medical degree. Um, I don't really have the qualifications to, to get into it much, but there's there's some anecdotal evidence that suggests that this favors men more than women. But I mean, by a small percentage, you know, a few points or something. But this virus 
doesn't care if you're black or white or yellow or brown or straight or gay or fill in the blank or what your nationality is or, you know, what your what your credit score is. None of that matters. And so of the people who will be affected economically, which is a lot of us, uh, you're a small business owner. I mean, people with a job job where they have to, their job is they have to go and they punch a time clock or they show up at a certain time and they do a thing. It's like they don't, they don't have the luxury to work at home, you know? So I've been doing this for decades. Mostly I've had a few jobs in an office, but I mostly work for myself. So the reality is that as people are affected, as people are getting sick and then of the ones who get seriously sick, some of those unfortunately will die. It's, it's going to be, that's going to be a Benetton ad also. It's going to be a range of all these people. And I think it may take that for some people to get it, you know, but I've already got, I've already got several friends who were affected by it. I've I've had, had known a lot of people in China through like, like through my wider network of people who have got it and recovered, you know, uh, a few friends of friends got it and had real problems or died. I've got one really old, old, old friend here now. And I saw her posting yesterday that was essentially, Hey guys, uh, I waited a long time to post this cause I wasn't sure. I thought may, I thought hoped I had the flu, but I think I've got it. And, you know, so she was essentially, you know, she, she was doing the equivalent of a, of an, I mean, it wasn't like my last, you know, statement to the world, but it was, it was, it's in the direction of, I don't know how, you know, I don't know where this is going. And so it was very heartfelt, kind of killed me to read it, but we're going to all see a lot more of that. And, uh, and unfortunately I think that's what it's going to take for people to really wake up and take it seriously. (sighs) Yes, yeah, so you got to social distance. It's no joke. Got to get comfortable with the with the homebound life. Got to get comfortable with the creative ways to keep yourself sane. And you know, I've got friends with ki- like young kids or friends caring for people who are sick. Or I mean, it's there's I, I'm I'm so lucky that I only have to deal with my own self. You know, and there's a roommate, it's a two bedroom place. But our 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 living suites are like opposite ends of the place, and he's been working from home for weeks anyway. So, you know, we're just going to be super freaking careful. I think that's all we can do, but you know, I think, uh, it's, it's, this is, this is a global, you know, it's obviously a global event and people have been starting to write pieces along the lines of, we have not experienced anything that is like to our collective psyche. A collective as in the world. We're all going through this to some degree. Every every country on the planet is or will be dealing with this. We're in the same boat. So it's underlining the common humanity we have more than ever. It's shining a light on, oh, you know, we really are, despite, you know, whatever, racial, political, sociological you know, class, you know, beside, regardless of the things that divide us and categorize us, we're kind of fundamentally the same, you know, and, uh, 
if there is any silver lining and God knows I've been looking for one, um, I think that that's it is I think this is, this will be the thing once it's passed, this will be the touchstone. This will be the reference point where everyone is able to connect and realize, yeah, wow, we, we made it through that. We, you know, and that's not, that might be two people who would never get along otherwise, will find themselves reminiscing one day, you know, at a, at a, at, at a Starbucks, you know, sharing coffee or ordering the coffee in line, you know, people just look at each other with that kind of like, yeah, we made it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh, you go ahead. Oh no, you, oh no, please. You, you know, hopefully it's going to lead to some of that. Um, the flip side of the coin is it could be, you know, we, we've, we've had race and class and socioeconomic uh, culture clashes slash wars sort of bubbling under the surface for a long time. So depending on how this goes, we might, it, it might be like a, uh, you know, it m- might be like a, <laughs> like some vigilante, you know, escape from LA might, might get a reboot that we don't like basically, you know, we might get escape from escape from LA without Kurt Russell. And, um, you know, we'll see. Wow, that's so optimistic. I'm. I normally do. I'm. I'm normally like full of humor. I mean, I guess there's maybe a little in here, but I'm normally like kind of. You know, I'm serious, but I'm funny. That's kind of normally my thing. And this has all been gloom and doom, man. It, it has. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, mission uh, accomplished. You. You have definitely. Uh, you've definitely changed my. Uh, changed my outlook here, and I, I really appreciate it, Brendan. I really appreciate the uh, the wisdom. And the insights from uh, your firsthand account of uh, of China and fleeing China, and just the the uh, the the stark contrast between how things are being handled here right now. Uh, thank mm. you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Uh, I, I hope that we can uh, have another uh, another interview where we we talk about some of the happy things and the nice things. And uh, yeah, and, sure, and my, my, sure, might be a little bit in the future. But uh, thank you for the 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 dose of reality. And uh, I hope that this really is the the touchstone of uh, uh, of new sort of collective unity instead of uh, the reboot of Escape from L.A. <laughs> I hope you're right. I I would say, you know, thank you to your audience. I love your show anyway, and I'm I'm honored to be included among the people you've had on here for more professional reasons. This was more of a more of a check-in because of the cultural knowledge, which is which is fine. I expect to be doing a lot of that. Um, you know, I also I started podcasting myself to uh keep what was left of my sanity when I started. And I currently have three shows. So you have three podcasts I now. Have, I, I didn't I have three I didn't. podcasts. I rebooted the old one so that I could focus these kind of talks. So I have my original podcast. If I can, yeah, plug uh, away, plug, 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 plug your stuff. Uh, so Big Fish in the Middle Kingdom was my original China focused show. It's a play on fish out of water and a big fish in a small pond. Cause of course, ironically, China is the biggest pond. So, uh, interviewed tons of interesting, fascinating, sometimes weird, sometimes amazing accomplished people, uh, related to China around the world for that. And then retired it. When I started, I have, if I knew you better, which is my current, like long form, deep dive, What's your journey? How did you get from there to here? What did you learn along the way? What can you share? It's it's that show. And it's globally focused. And then I also 
created a show that I co-host with a Chinese female uh, named Inging Li, and that show is uh, How China Works. And uh, during this time of COVID, she's mostly doing those interviews, and then I'm doing the wraparounds, I'm doing the, the intro and outro and the edit. And on If I Knew You Better, that's where I had Ben Rock on. He's, as we record this, he's currently the, the guest. I'm not positive when this will come out for you, but um, great talk with your friend and podcast partner, Ben Rock, on If I Knew You Better. And that's usually, again, the long form, what's your journey sort of show. But I'm, I'm, I've got a new angle I've added to that, which is sort of like what we just did, which is what's your take? How are you adapting? How does this affect your business or industry, your future plans? And then crystal ball, what do you, what do you think long-term? How are you dealing in the short term? And I'm ending it by asking, okay, throw me a bone. What's the upside? Is there an upside? Let's find an upside. So we have something to hang our hopes on as we struggle through some bleak. So I would say that um, if you enjoyed part of what I said, and you want to hear a show that I do where I talk a lot less and somebody else does all this talking, you could check out if I knew you better specifically or big fish in the middle kingdom. And if you want to learn more about China, how China works, uh, how China works is that website. They're all, they're available everywhere, all the places. And you can find me online. If you're curious, um, my website, my personal website is crazy in a good and it's basically a film bio site. There's also a contact page, though, so you can holler at me there if you want to. Uh, I'm going to encourage all of our uh, our listeners to uh, to check it out. And, of course, um, we will put all of your contact and links and things on the show notes page over at Cam Noir. Brendan Davis, thank you so much for being on the show. Ilya Friedman, it is my pleasure, sir. Thank you. So, all right, Brendan Davis, thank you so much for being on the show again. Yeah, thanks, Brendan. Always always good to hear your voice. Uh, okay, so Ben, you know what time it is? It is time, I believe, to pay them bills. We do got to pay the bills. In fact, uh, actually, some of our listeners may be aware that we were doing a uh, contest, actually, for Aperture uh, last month, which was uh, win a free MC light for both yourself and for a friend. And uh, we have winners, and we can announce the winners here on the uh, on the show. Oh. Yeah, uh, it's a, a, a DP named uh, Casey McBeath. Congratulations, Casey! You got super lucky because uh, there was actually someone whose name we drew before yours, but they did not get back to us in a timely manner. So, congratulations! You're the winner. And of course, the way that we do this is. Uh, it was a it was one light for you and one light for a friend, and you tagged a friend, cinematographer Drew Kowalski, and uh, you guys are both going to have some Aperture MC lights uh, arriving in your uh, mailbox very shortly. Swab those down with some Clorox wipes before you use them. We, also, we will also pre, pre-swab them before <laughs> before before you get them. They'll be pre-swabbed, but you know, also who knows uh, what you happened after aren't, it leaves. Aren't are going to be lighting anything until you're allowed to be around <laughs> other people anyway. So. You never know. They might be lighting a Zoom chat. You know, it, it could happen. That's true. <laughs> they might be doing pro- extreme close-up uh, Lazy Susan product shots at their house. You, you never know. But anyway, hey, uh, congratulations again. Uh, we're going to be doing more contests here for the Cinematography Podcast. Uh, already some other companies have uh, have contacted us about uh, being involved, which will be great. Awesome. Cool. 
So Ben, it's short end time. It is short what's end. your uh, What's your short end? So uh, as as I was complaining to you off mic, uh, it's a little bit of a struggle to even think of short ends to a degree these days because like we're all locked up and there is you know there's new TV shows and stuff. Although like you know we're we're gonna start. Running, what are you watching? What are you watching? Uh, they're they're gonna start running dry. But I I realized uh, right under my nose that I had uh, a, an actual pet obsession uh, that came via YouTube. Um, and it's I don't believe it. <laughs> it's uh, a chat. you were obsessed with a YouTube <laughs> with, with a, a YouTube with a YouTube. I'm obsessed with a YouTube. So it's not a it's not a it, what it what it is is it's a channel called Cinema Tyler. Check it out. And okay. I don't know why this fell into my YouTube feed, but I I ended up watching a bunch of his stuff. Cinema Tyler. His name is Tyler Knudsen, and he does kind of these um these video essays about uh, various topics. And the one that I fell into was about Stanley Kubrick's making of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And he does a deep dive on each section that he goes into, really well-researched, talks about the art, talks about the technology, talks about how they accomplished what they accomplished. And uh, and it's, you know, really, uh, really illuminating stuff. And he's done them on not just, I mean, he's done them on a bunch of Kubrick. So he's got like one on Barry Lyndon. He's got one on, uh, or he's got a couple on uh, Clockwork Orange. But also he has uh, stuff up about There Will Be Blood and uh, Apocalypse Now. And, you know, like kind of like all of them are kind of like big, classic uh i hesitate to say important but like you know the movies that film scholars are interested in in kind of analyzing and you know he talks about like how just a wide array of decisions were made and how effects were pulled off and how they were done back then and and shows you the examples in in the movie and uh i found myself like each one of them i was like oh my god it's almost 30 minutes long that's a long deep dive just to talk about for instance the dawn of man which is you know the beginning section of 2001 a space odyssey but once he gets into it you realize you know he talks about how they shot it all in a studio and made it look like it was all outside he talks about how they created the the movement for the kind of eight people the proto-humans how they made the suits how like how everything worked and uh it's it's pretty impressive the the level of uh, detail and scholarship and never boring so uh i can't recommend it highly enough i don't know the guy uh, I just find his YouTube work uh, very interesting. Nice. It, it sounds like fun. I'll, I will check out uh, Cinema Tyler. It looks like he has 169,000 subscribers. So, yeah, he's been doing this for a, a little bit. And, and as of this week, I am one of them. All right. So, Ilya, what is your short end this week? Uh, uh, my obsession this week, I guess, is also YouTube, which is kind of funny, or it is a YouTube. It is specifically John Krasinski, uh, who you might remember from The Office and, uh, you know, A Quiet Place and things like that. A Quiet Place? Yeah. Sh- shot by Shalada Bruce Christensen. Ex- on, exactly. So he's doing a thing from home uh, where he is uh, probably not wearing pants, but you would never know because he's, you know, suit and tie from the- When, from is, the... when is he wearing pants? <laughs> But uh, when are any of us wearing pants? Uh, it, it might be a little on the sappy side for uh, some people's sensibilities, but uh, he's trying very hard to put some sort of good vibes and good news out into the world at this time when everyone's having to work from home and uh people are facing uh, health, real health crises and all kinds of things. And he's doing a pretty incredible job considering I feel like it's him, his wife, who of course is, you know, uh, uh, Mary Poppins and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the connections that that she has with the world they're using they're calling up their friends they've had Steve Carell and they've had uh, uh, 
Robert De Niro and a bunch of other people come on and basically Robert De Niro is the official weatherman of uh, some good news. And uh, I'm I'm not going to give it away. But uh, if you've got five minutes and you watch the first episode, you'll pretty much get the vibe of the whole channel. And he's not been lazy. He's pretty much like, you know, turning these things out quick. And uh, it's it's a solid, you know, it's a solid home YouTube channel type of thing that is uh, actually I'm going to say it's not just solid. It's a cut above pretty much anything else you'd see out there because it's John Krasinski and a massive amount of talent that's being poured into this thing that is sort of a lark for a lot of these people. And uh, I've already seen some comments on the YouTube channel. It says like, when this is over, I hope you don't stop. I hope you continue. And who knows, maybe maybe he will. And this just goes right back to our uh, close focus, which is like what people are able to accomplish kind of like we all got locked into our houses. Like we didn't, we didn't like have time to go out and get, you know, lights and microphones and stuff. So it's like whatever gear we just already had at home is what people are using uh, to make a lot of stuff. And I think we're a little shocked at the high quality that can be accomplished with like literally nothing. And uh, I, I mentioned this off mic, but I didn't talk about it in our close focus segment, but John Oliver's show on HBO is it, I mean, like, obviously something is lost because there's no audience, but the show is still amazingly well produced, and it's just John Oliver in his house. You, you know, I'm going to say, actually, that uh, technical technical nitpicking, there's there's quite a bit of problems with the stuff that I'm seeing, but I think what's really solid is the content, the, the writing yeah. and the content that's going out there, the stuff that well, people are Well, writing is obviously something that people can do from home, or, you know, like, if you have a writer's room, it's not hard to do a, a virtual writer's room on Zoom or Google Hangout or whatever from your front porch or from your patio or from wherever you might want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just think it's interesting to see how, how everyone's kind of tackling this, but also when you have somebody like John Krasinski, who really is kind of a multifaceted uh, creative person with a lot to offer, like how that manifests in his, um, in his output, because also like, you know, any movie he was making or any TV show or anything that was going on, it's all it's all on pause right now. So he's uh, people like him have and and frankly us have more time on our hands than we're used to having. And you know if if you have the impulse to create stuff, trying anyone will tell you that having uh, restrictions makes you more creative. So figuring out ways to create in this environment is uh, uh, I, it, I I won't nothing is a silver lining to a pandemic. But um, but I will say it's hopefully it's causing people like him to find other ways to express themselves that maybe once we're through this dark time, you know, he'll keep doing stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think that, uh, this is going to be interesting. There's going to be a chance for some people to flex some muscles they didn't flex before. And, uh, I think that we might end up with some interesting crossovers and, you know, it's not going to necessarily be, uh, heavily, monetized for a lot of people it's not going to be like you know it's going to be a job it's going to be something that they like doing and we'll see how far that that goes excellent so uh before we wrap things up we want to wish our fine editor ben katz a happy birthday who uh probably as you're hearing this it'll be after his birthday but the day we're recording this is actually ben's birthday that's right happy birthday ben katz all 22 years of you or however old you are so really is he that young no i i think i think he's a bit older but you know I don't want he's, he's, he's a young guy. I just, I resent it when people who are way younger than me are very good at something. Anyway, <laughs> I, I don't know how old he is, but I, I know that he's significantly younger than us. So for sure. All I know is that my wisdom was hard earned and it took me this long to be this good at anything. So, well, uh, anyway, uh, who else? Uh, well, first we should just thank Ben, but who else do we need to thank? Uh, let's thank Alana Cody, producer extraordinaire. 
kicking all, all the ass. We uh, uh, had an interview that I'm not going to talk about yet, but it'll be uh, the next week's uh, episode, I believe. Probably, um, yeah. We've got we've got a special bonus episode come out too. We got a couple of good bonuses coming up soon, but yes, that's a great episode. But, so but yeah, yeah. That, it, it was it was one that Alana worked really hard to get the interview, and we had like four false starts where we we were definitely going to record it, and then it didn't work out, and that that just kept happening. And it was somebody who was definitely on our bucket list to get on the show, and uh, the cinematographer does not disappoint it is it's uh, a, he, uh he gives us some really amazing information uh let's give a big thanks out to k zelatracci of course you're going to hear a lot more of his music coming up in our war story episode which is Ooh. uh which is which is going to be here really soon it's going to i thought, think, thought uh, you were done with the war stories did you no no yeah five five new wars never before heard war stories coming your way uh yeah and uh, also k's who did agree to uh be interviewed on the show so uh yeah well, well i'll believe it when i see it <laughs> in order for him to be interviewed on it he's gonna have to listen to me interview him i don't know does that break an almost perfect record yeah it's not gonna happen <laughs> we need to make a k's swear jar that's that's really what's gonna have to be and then, then when the episode happens and every so, time we can uh, get him not to admit to not listening to the show then, then <laughs> something so Ilya, where can people find you uh find me over at hot red cameras which is uh very very quiet these days but uh, you can find me there yeah, you're there right now. It's like I can see uh, the ghost of Christmas yet to come over your shoulder. It's a little yeah, weird. It's pretty, pretty, pretty dark. Pretty dark yeah. times. So <laughs> you can find me at benrockonline.com and you'll find all my socials on there. Social media, not social security card. That'd be weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, P- put your social security up there. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be really weird. Um, and if so you'd like p- to impersonate Ben Rock, here's his social security number. <laughs> uh, please, uh, if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, go on iTunes, uh, give us however many stars you think we deserve and, uh, maybe write a review. Takes yeah. you a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And, do do, and, do uh, a thing. And it really helps us to uh, rise in the uh, iTunes rankings and for other people who are interested in the content we're creating to, uh, to find us. So, uh, it also just makes me feel good about myself. It, it does feel, actually. Yeah. It's a nice but, little ego boost. I mean, cause I, I mean, we obviously do this for the money, <laughs> You know, we, we will, there's a good chance we will read your comments on the air. So There is a good chance. Good chance. Highly, highly, highly likely. So uh, bef- before we get to next week's episode, we will have a bonus episode, uh, which we're about to record wraps for now. But uh, we will see you uh, at least once, if not twice, before next week. Toodaloo. <laughs> this has been the Cinematography Podcast, presented by Hot Rod Cameras. Find your next camera, lens, or accessory on the web at hotrodcameras.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.